Microphone check, one, two, one, two. Microphone test, one, two, one, two. And this is the Order Room podcast. We are live from Bangkok, Thailand. And today we have some special guests in the studio with us. We're going to be talking a lot of things about Nigeria, the state of the nation, and the upcoming elections. So this is going to be a very interesting conversation. Uh, just before we proceed, I'd like to state that my name is Anthony, and I have everybody in the studio. Behind the scenes, we have Joel Authority also, and everybody. So let me quickly introduce my guest. Let's get down to the business of the day. So in the studio with me, I have Tunji Iwaini. He's a political analyst and commentator, and he's also a member of the AAC Party of Nigeria, the Take It Back movement. And also in the studio with me to go over the issues we have today is uh, Kunle Ogwande. He's a grassroots, po grassroots politician from Lagos and he's also a member of Green Party of Nigeria. You're welcome to the studio this good day. Yeah, welcome. 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 Thank you. Uh, it is good. To have. Thanks for having us here today. Okay, so before I we go fully into everything else, so I want you guys to... Introduce yourself to our listeners all over the world. So introduce yourself and give us a little bit of your background. Okay. Well, uh, my name is Iwani Tunji. So I was a uh, formerly member of APC. So by I think earlier this year I, I made up my mind. So I became member of the Take It Back movement, which is just nine months old today in Nigeria. So I was after then. Then uh, I became member of AAC Africa Action Congress, which I have been part of the campaign, both online and offline, also to have more member for the for the party and also how the party can grow in the coming election, how we can have victory. That's what I'm I'm so concerned about. Okay, great. Yeah, my name is Kunle Ogwande. I'm a grassroots politician. I started politics. Uh, as an active member of SDP then, that brought uh, MK Abiola into, into the fold. Uh, and now, since I traveled, uh, I'm still a, uh, an active member of uh, different political parties at a certain time, like PDP at the time. But I'm among uh, the few people that left PDP during G Jonathan's period for reasons best known to us and supported uh Mwadi because we believed in him. Okay. And now I'm not uh, I'm not a member of APC in any way. I just supported Buhari. Well now now I'm a member of uh, GPN, Green Party of Nigeria. And I believe more in Nigeria and I don't I see uh, Nigeria as more important than any other party. So I'm more I'm more of a political analyst than a party member. Thank you. Okay, great. Um, that actually helps us because it, it gives us a little bit of background and things to work on. And I think we're able to find a similarity between both of your political backgrounds. And let me quickly go into that, which is the fact that you are both formerly either APC member or supporter of Buhari, who at this point no longer supports the APC or its presidential candidate, which happens to also be President Buhari at this point. So what can you say pushed you to make that transition from supporting APC or Buhari to whatever political leanings you have right now? Well, I think uh, I'm going to come in there to, uh, to give my own uh, concern. Initially, I think uh, before I became a member of APC, I was formerly AD, then I moved to AC, and then I moved to APC. You know, if you remember uh, uh, correctly, before the 2015 election, uh, we're having the issue of um, corruptions, issue of um, uh, mismanagement of our commonwealth in the, in the country. People are dying of hungers. People are going out of school because of parents parent couldn't afford to pay for their children's school fees. Some people left their job because of... Um, lack of um, good pay. Also, good, bad infrastructures. We have no electricity in Nigeria. Everything becomes um, upside down in the country. So before uh, 
the election, if you remember, everything was tense towards the issue of uh, we want a better government, a better people with a better ideology. We want an upgrade in the country. So that was how Buhari was emerged. Buhari was emerged because then many of us would believe in him. We believe in somebody who, because of his, they said like what he did during his uh, first time gov- when he was in government through the PTF and so on, when he worked with Tunde Diagon, if you could remember. So uh, we all believe that the country can change for better. That was how we hoped for Buhari. Not only that, uh, when Buhari came into power, it took him six months you know, to appoint his cabinet members, which he said then he was looking for the best technocrats. Apparently, people who like he brought into government were recycled politicians, people who have, in one way or the other, they have uh, corruption cases hanging in their neck, people who have failed in their various uh, cap- previous capacities, more like in the governor, as a senators, or as a serving several government agencies. Today, Baru government fails because immediately he came into power, the dollar began to rise, which has affected us. Okay, so uh, let's move to Mr. Kunle Ogwande. What made, what actually, what was the stimulus for you to decide to stop supporting Buhari at this point in time? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, uh, I think I have to start with why in the first place I supported him. Yes. I supported him based on his governance that I experienced when he was with Tunde Diagon especially on electricity. I'm somebody that believes that Nigeria will never move forward without electricity. And during his time with Tunde Diagbo, I remember the starting time when the, the director, uh, Tunde Diagbo was uh, landed in Lagos airport and they took away the line. And they, 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 he ordered arrest of director of Nepal then and they jailed him 25 years. And I noticed after that, for the next six months, we had constant electricity. So, and during that period, they tried to pay back our debt and instill discipline, like why everybody's tried to kill, you know, as military men, you know, we start putting things in discipline in the society. So I thought it would be better than GEJ that is so inactive, you know. GEJ was inactive. Then it was like a president that don't even move and people control a drunkard, like many things about him. And especially Boko Haram. I, I believe as a military man, it's easy for him to eradicate Boko Haram, to fight Boko Haram easily. So I thought he has a, a, is better than GEJ. But at the end of the day, when he came in, there are things like, he came in on the, telling us he's going to fight corruption. Yeah, there was serious corruption during GEJ. So we thought he will do it. But the funniest thing, why I stopped, is I found out the, the corruption fight was, was like, uh, was like uh, just a face. Like a, uh, what, what would I call it? Something that is a lie. It turns out, out, out to be a lie. It's a fight against opponents. Because people, many people that are part of 16 years of PDP stealing our money are still part of his government and he's still with them. Then everybody that is PDP, it turns out that if you are PDP, you are corrupt. If you are APC, you are not corrupt. Thank you very much. Okay, so now... One of the things you said about uh, why you voted Buhari or why you supported Buhari in the first place is because you felt his military background could help against the war on terrorism that we presently face at home for the past maybe seven to eight, ten years now. So basically the state of the nation right now is that there has been continued attacks by this same set of terrorists, the Boko Haram, and they are gaining more grounds again, which is one of the things the APC campaign, or Buhari campaigned on, that he was going to end uh, Boko Haram as they were terrorizing the, the nation. So now, presently, Baga, one of the states, one of the cities in uh, Boronu State has been overtaken or overrun by these same terrorists. So what are your opinions on this and the fight against terrorism at home? I think, uh, in my own opinion, I think uh, one of the issues that we have to look at, look at the issue of corruption, uh, the government was, this government was just build run deceitful campaign and uh, unsincere way of fighting corruption. If you look at it very well, there were no clear 
strategy in fighting against Boko Haram. Um, the armed generals who are there, they are using this way or means as way to, to, accom to accumulate more wealth for themselves and their family. They are, as long as this war continues without a strategic plan, I believe that this government cannot defeat Boko Haram because the government is not sincere to the nation, it's not sincere to Nigerians, it's not sincere to Africans and the rest of the world. And I believe that the government needs to really work so hard by coming up with what we call a clear strategy on fighting against Boko Haram. Because those who are sponsored this Boko Haram, they are political elites. How are they getting the harms they are using to fight the government? How are these harms getting to the Boko Haram members? How are they getting funding? Where are this money coming from? Where, what are the role of the generals today? So the government has to be sincere. Also, there's, there's corruption in our armed forces, for example. The generals are making more money while this fight is going on. And in my own opinion, I believe that the Buhari government should come out either in a way or how he think it can be best for him is to force, if I may be president today, first I'm going to sack all the generals, then bring in a new faces to handle this thing. Then, since he said he was a military, <clears throat> because that he will be able to fight his people, I believe that all you need to do is just to have what we call a clear strategy. The first step is to sack these military generals who are using this Boko Haram as a way of enriching themselves. That is what I think. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I think uh, the fight uh, against Boko Haram looks to me, from my own perception, like a scam. I don't think Boko Haram has the power to fight Nigerian military. If we could go to other countries to help, like Liberia, and bring down wars and civil wars there and win wars, I mean, what's Boko Haram? The thing is, if you look at the beginning of this Boko Haram issue, America, came, United States came in, and Israelites. I think they brought a drone, and if you look at the reports America gave, with their drone, they could really see where the Boko Haram is. They forced people, the forced kids, they took from us. And they advised Nigerian soldiers on what to do. By the end of the day, they came out with a report that Nigerian soldiers know about Boko Haram. So I'll tell you that Boko Haram is, a, is our government. It's within our government. They know. But most of us don't know what is really happening between them. But I know government knows about Boko Haram. I can clearly say that. Because to defeat Boko Haram, I don't think it takes months. If I did be during the time of Abacha, our military government, I think Boko Haram cannot survive us. Because something like that happened before when they started to call my Tassini in those days. Yeah. I, know, I know how... Our military government dealt with them, and we did never hear about it in five to six months. So what I, what I think is, is kind of a political body, part of our political problem is Boko Haram. <coughs> Comes to like Fulani men, all this, all part of our political problems, all part of corruption. In, in present-day political uh, elites, they know what they are doing among all this. It's part of corruption. Boko Haram is part of corruption. Ad spend is part of corruption, part of our political problem. Until we end all these political problems and we have new generation of politicians that we coming up like all these shore and when we have them, that's when we end all these kind of issues. Okay. I don't pray for, yeah, I don't pray for military to come back, but military <laughs> would have been the best to come back because these young generations might not be able to defeat these ones with the with the with what we have on, on at hand now in Nigeria. You know, our political I can say our political scenario is under siege by these present people holding us to ransom, you know? So I think Boko Haram, to me, is part of government, our political problems. Yeah, I think I just have just a little bit to hard there. I think I, I've, I have researched a lot about this Boko Haram issue, and I realized that if you look at the transition of this uh, terrorist group from one group to another, if you look at the founder himself, Mohammed Yusuf, how initially this... Bukamu routine started as a political movement whereby they believe that the government is, they have been uh, surchanged uh, democratically. Things that they know they desire, they are not getting it from the government. Government is taking advantage of them. They are not having good schools, good educations. I think one of these issues, I think we have to still go back to uh, government negligence and lack of um, um, seriousness from the side of government to really tackle the key issues of what people are really facing. People who live in Iraq, what they are facing. If you look at how Bukharam issue have transcended from one uh, stage to another, 
what they need initially was look, they need what we call a political uh, will, a good government that cares for them. That was how it started. Then politicians, they come along the way, they hijack the process. They use it as a way of winning election. I think if them permit us, we can go into history how, how Boko Haram became so um, wide and so stronger. Now they, they, were, they were empowered by the politicians. And even them themselves, they know the truth. They know who these politicians are. I believe one of the things that we have to look at here is that how is the best way the government can address this issue? First, today, in Nigeria today, there are no good schools. Most of this Amajiri that we talk about, Amajiri is simply going to school that have been taught Arabic. And if you look at how who finances Boko Haram, first and foremost, if you go through history very, very well, you realize that everything that started in Zamfara State, when they first accepted Boko Sharia law, they got funding from Islamic Bank to fund. They went to all these Islamist, local Islamic scholars. They informed them to, to, what, to train people in Arabic. They became radicalized through the process. So the government knows the truth. But they are using this way as a way to, to, to siphon the money, to add money to the corruption system. That is how. So the government really needs a lot to do. They need to do a lot to fight against Boko Haram. That's what I think government needs to do. Yeah, uh, thank you very much. I'd like to have a, a different perception on this Boko Haram, on what my brother here is talking about. If you look at the meaning, if you want to define Boko Haram, let's go to the meaning of Boko Haram. According to what I, I know, if I, may, I might be right or wrong, it's, Boko Haram means no edu education is Western Haram. education is, is, is Haram. Yeah, yes, Haram. It all started during uh, Jonathan Goodluck, when Jonathan Goodluck tried to be, start building Arabianjiri schools to educate the people in the north. He believed that education could liberate them. Because if you look at Nigeria today, the northerners are the main people that are more backward in education in Nigeria. So, yeah. so uh, he thought, uh, Jonathan Goodluck thought, if you could give them more schools, especially those children out of school there, and he built more universities in the, in the northern part of Nigeria during that time. And they don't want education. You know, these people don't want education. That's how they started that group. And some of these northern leaders supported the Boko Haram group and financed them because they don't really want education. They don't want their people to be educated because they want to keep using their people the way they use them. They want to keep them the way they are. The weaponizing illiteracy. Yeah, to have, in the, you know, the more illiterates they have, the more control they have, political power they have. Yeah. So that's what the Northern, including the president we have now, they support that kind of idea. They don't really like education in the North. So Boko Haram turned out to be, when they now come inside, for the people to stop, the, the, those Boko Haram, they've tasted money, tasted things, you know, young boys, they, they decide not to stop. If Boko Haram can come to Nigeria, take girls, government now, the new government now liaises with them, and give them money to return some girls, that means they have they are rapport. Yeah. There's something between them. They know them. So uh -huh. I, I just think that what, what I think about Boko Haram is the government can hand it if they want to hand it. That's it. Uh, thank you very much for the uh, really good points that uh, you've both made. Uh, so now one of the recurring themes of the conversation here is corruption which we feel is one of the reasons why this Boko Haram menace has continued for the past seven to eight years, that we feel like the military generals are corrupt. There has been a way that some of the uh, people or the actors involved in all of this has been able to monetize the war against terrorism. So now, generally, Nigeria has always ranked top in corruption indexes, different corruption index all over the world. So, and the new government, when the new government of the APC came in, in 2015, one of their cardinal points was the fight against corruption. And at this point, we cannot say that we've been able to make gains. Right now, it's more like a war against the opposition. So how do we truly fight corruption in Nigeria? Yeah, first of all, uh, Fighting corruption is very important in our society because it's, it's one of the real 
problems we have in Nigeria. That, that's why we're not moving forward. And to fight corruption, you have to know the root cause. It's just like you want to fight a disease. If you don't know the root cause, you cannot fight it. From my own perception, I believe corruption started in our society because of deficit in opportunities, you know, especially among the youths, our labor force, which for the youths form the, the major labor force of any country and the economic power of any country. But if you look at most of our youths now, I can, I can say in Nigeria we have about 75% of our youths, especially graduates, jobless, without opportunities. But mainly, if you look at the employed people, People get salaries. Imagine we have, a, like in Lagos, or I think federal salary is about 18,000 minimum wage. You know, when you have a minimum wage that you cannot align with basic needs, 18,000 cannot meet basic needs of anybody, even a child in Nigeria. And if you are, you are paying people salary, I mean the people working, not even people that are not working, because we have almost 70% unemployment. But people working, they have salaries that cannot meet their basic needs. We don't have a, a, a what, what they call it, a basic economic uh, administration in the government. Like, people want to rent a house. Imagine you want to rent a house. You have to pay two to three years. Yeah. People, will, if you just start work and get 18000 that means you can never rent a house. Yes. So that means we don't have basic economic government because we don't have rule of law that, that guides house uh, owners on how to rent a house. Like, this country we live in is three months. In Europe, you have one month deposit. You know, make, it makes it easy. It's a law. Mainly to align our minimum income with our basic needs, you must employ what they call price system. You know? Like what Jack Conde did then, the prices of accommodation, the prices of transportation, the prices of food must be controlled by the government to align with the salary we pay the people. But the problem with that is that doesn't that make us a socialist government? Even the, in Europe, they practice socialism. It's based on your society. You don't just say you want to practice capitalism. You look at their society, the opportunities they have. In, 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 in our own society, we have less oppor lesser opportunity. There's deficit in opportunity because, especially, we don't have electricity to produce. We don't produce what we use. 70% of what we use comes from outside. So we, must have to, we have to apply some kind of socialism. In Europe, in London, they pay people who don't, who don't work. They don't do that in America. And they are surviving better. So we don't have to be fully into capitalism. It's important to align our minimum wage with basic needs. That's when we can really say we are truly fighting corruption. Corruption will automatically reduce by 70% if we do that. I think, uh, if I may just come in there, I think one of the issues you have to look at, look at what we call uh, political corruption. Uh, as a country, if the Nigeria can get rid of political corruptions, we are, done, we are good to go when it comes to development. I think I'm going to disagree one way or the other regarding the issue of uh, uh, minimum wages. I think today, what we have in Nigeria today is not minimum wages. It's not a living wage, but it's a minimum wages. For example, today, if you look at corruption very, very well, the level of, since Nigeria getting independent, really from, right from the days of uh, uh, Dr. Nanda Azukwe to today, I think we've lost over $400 billion when it comes to the issue of corruptions. These corruptions are not, they are not, this money are not stolen by the common guy in the street who earns 18000 naira per month. They are stolen by the political elite. And one of the ways we can kind of each other, if we can block or call the financial leakage right from the government agencies, this elite could not stole, stole the money from the government post. It would be easy. But I think right from those days to today, we've not had the government who was really serious when it comes to curtailing corruptions when in government agencies. We need to look at how we can fine-tune our, our government system whereby people who, are, who are work in government should see it as a stewardship, not means of enriching themselves. If we are able to control this thing from top, the down will be okay. If people on top come to steal billions and guys from bottom will come to suffer. If you look at it today in Nigeria, today we have 18,000 naira 
which is not even up to uh, like $60 if I'm correct. How what can you get with that money today? Can you get even transport to work? No. So we need to look at the government who truly care about the people. What we have today is government of deceit and corruption. How we can fight this corruption is if our government can take full responsibility by starting to teach themselves the lesson when it comes to moral way of governing people. We don't have this moral conscience when it comes to governors. People believe that they are not called to serve, but they believe they are called to arrange themselves. If you look at history, like I said, if you look at the, the era of Ananda Zukwe, Obaston John, 1979, uh, Shio Shagari, uh, Babaginda, Abasha, to date, we have lost billions of dollars to these to this corrupt people. And all this money has stolen and kept somewhere in abroad, in Swiss Bank or in the US or wherever you can find them. This money has been used to trade in Wall Street, if you can, if you can check that. So I believe that we need to work very hard as a country to stop what we call this institutionalized corruption. If we can stop that, I believe we'll get it right as a country. Yeah, I'd like to go back to what I said. You cannot fight any disease from the symptom. You have to fight it from the cause. I'll tell you that sometimes, I'll tell you that uh, these politicians who are corrupt, they are corrupt based on the fact on how our society is structured. Even either you're a politician, you're not a politician. You have a lot of people to take care of. Once you have money in Nigeria, once you are, okay, you are well-to-do in Nigeria, family, friends, they depend on you. You see, most of these politicians, the way we structure our society encourages them to steal. You know why? If you go to the house of any politician every day, you have more than 50, 60 people going to his house, seeking for help, financial help, and in dire need of those financial help. And you know in Nigeria, we're in a way that any politician that doesn't give people money, that doesn't help people money, they don't want him to be there because of poverty, deficit in opportunity, like I said. A lot of our young youths now, when the politician gives them two million naira, go and give your friends, give them gone, they fight for him and kill people. They don't care about the society anymore because why? Those guys don't have opportunities, deficit in opportunity. They don't have job. And people, they pay 18,000 naira at work. You also look for money from this politician. The best or guy is or guy that gives them something. Where the, the man giving them something is getting something from where? He's getting it from this corrupt. He has to be corrupt. He needs to maintain his status. How can he maintain his status to be the man they are looking on to? It's to steal because his own salary cannot even do him also. You understand what I mean? Yeah, so the, the major issue is if we don't create opportunities for people, if people are okay, if we, if we can align our ba- uh, minimum wage with our basic needs, people don't need to look at politicians for money. Then politicians don't need even to have more money to keep his status. So it will reduce to a certain extent. So the cost is very important. The cost is deficit in opportunity, and we could not even pay people the salary to meet up with their basic needs. So corruption at the top, we always excel. Cannot be stopped. I think one of the issues I, I really find very interesting on this question was that when you look at questions like this, it, it cuts around different segments of life. And what I still focus more on um, political corruption is that our, our, if you look at those days, when we, at least when we were born, most of these politicians, they went through free education, they acquired through free education, they went to UK with scholarship. They came back. They worked with different multinational companies. Where are those opportunities today? These politicians, they weaponize education. They use education as a weapon to, to destroy life of the youth so that youth, took, youth can always depend on them on pennies in the street. If you look at Lagos State, for example, today, where actually where I was born and raised, you look at it that those who are, who are making money from politics in Nigeria, they are the touts. Many of them they don't even went to high school, they don't even get to universities to even get a degree, talk of even, even uh, master or PhD. But because they have what we call affluence to this, to this political elite, they can go as far as killing for them, they become part of the, of the clique today. If you look at places like Abuja today, those who are even making money from Abuja, they don't even go to school. They are just children of one of these ministers or cousins or relatives to them. This wealth Nigerian wealth must be distributed among everyone. What we call wealth distribution, let us cut down the cost of running government. Let you as a senator know that when you're going there as a senator, 
you are going to represent the people. The issue of this um, uh, fees that they are giving, like to mobilize, to carry on project, they should lower the cost of governance in our country. If we lower the cost of governance, this money should be channeled back to the people. Then we can develop our country, we can develop ourselves. Our things today, Nigerians still need to develop. We need to correct our mistakes. This political elite is killing us. They are not helping us. Okay, so you guys have, I think one of the, the main takeaway from these sets of arguments is that we've been able to look more into the root causes of, of corruption where on a much more larger scale, we say it goes down to our society itself. Then we're able to link into the economy and at the same time, poverty. But then let's still stay on the topic of corruption. Then now we, we all agree that corruption is a problem. So how do we, do we have the structure of the institutions to fight corruption? Can the ICPC, the EFCC, the police, can they equitably fight corruption? Do we have the institutions or the, the structure to, to deeply fight corruption right now? Yeah, I think if I may just let me bring in a little uh, answer to what you're saying. We can fight corruption. We have the government institutions and we have the constitutional provision that held and make them perform effectively. But these people, they are working for a political uh, elites who they work according to their scripts. If you look at it very well today uh, under the APC government, look at the case of this man, uh, Akwabi of Akwaibam State. He was, in it, before he became a member of APC, he was being paraded as a criminal. Mainly he moved from, a, from PDP to APC today. You don't longer hear about him facing corruption charges anymore. So this, this is what we're talking about, that we need a government that is responsible for the people, a government who truly care, who know what the people need. What we do, we have EFCC that has the power, we have the FD, F, FIU, Fraud uh, Infrigation Units, which is in the, uh, under the Nigerian Police Force, we have the ICPC, we have uh, NGOs that are against the anti-corruption NGOs. These people, they can only do little because EFCC chairman is appointed by the, by the APC government. You know for sure that we answer to them. If they tell him, oh, go after senators, leave this one, this one belongs to us. Every member of APC today, they flee them with their run because they believe this one they are sent. Look at the case of Ameshi. Look at the uh, case of uh, APC leader, uh, Tunumbo. Hi, hi. He embezzled all the money that belongs to Lagos to his pocket alone. So these are issues that you need to look at that. What we have to do, we don't have a government that's seriously fighting corruption. What they are doing is just that they are just trying to script us and make us look like, oh, we are fighting corruption, these are the criminals. No, at the end of the day, both APC and PDP, they are the same umbrella, only that they just bear different names. So we need a government that truly care. This government today, they are not ready to do anything. That's what I think we should do. If you say we have the institutions to fight corruption, don't you think what you've outlined right now is a case of a lack of institutions? Or is it a lack of willpower to fight it? Because now you've laid out arguments on how the government or the EFCC chairman is appointed by the government. And the EFCC chairman gets to decide who they go after and who they don't go after. So now that means the institution is the problem not the structure. So definitely there's a structure on ground, but the institution is actually not doing what they should be doing. Don't you think that's actually the problem here? I think if you look at the institution as a whole, under the constitution, the, the legal uh, ramification of uh, EFCC, if you look at legal power of EFCC, they have power to investigate anybody. Either you president, they have the power to investigate you. And if you look at how these people, they've been working, look at EFC during the period of uh, uh, of this uh, uh, this man, former EFC uh, chairman, he was more effective because then he was working with Obasanjo. Obasanjo was like, go after anybody you, you think. No Horibadu. No Horibadu, if I can remember. So these are issues you need to look at. What we have today, we don't have EFC as, as a government institution. We have an institution that is, uh, that is created to give us, if you look at the list that I read on it, that they said they have 
over 300 uh, 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 cases of, of uh, fraud that they were able to uh, pursue in the court and they won. Today, who are those people? Who are the big people? Look at this same uh, Senate, Jesus Adare. He was, he was jailed. He was in prison. He was jailed. He still earned his, his allocation every month. He still get, his, get paid his salary every month. So you have to look at institution as a whole that it's built on fraud, fraudulent uh, 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 foundations. foundations and people who really, who really control these things. They are scripted to work for their paymasters. That's how you have to look at it. Yeah, basically, I have different perception about corruption all the time. I always tell you. One is poverty that breeds corruption, and poverty breeds anarchy. One thing is, if today we arrest all these people that are corrupt, we'll put them in jail. We bring other people. Do you think corruption will stop? To me, it will not stop. Until we eradicate that structure that causes when people have to depend on people, me and you as we stand there, we have friends on our phones, everybody that will ask you for money when you call back to Nigeria. It's not that they're asking it for fun. Seriously, they're in need of it because the society has made people so poor that even people don't expect to even ask for money to eat from you. 2,000 naira, please, just send to me. You know? If we don't, if, you know, the major cause of our poverty and corruption mainly deficit in opportunity. And what is the cause of that deficit? No electricity. We don't produce. How do we have jobs? The day we want to, you know, let me tell you, when I, when I want to come, not, not, when, I want to, when I look at all candidates, the worst of this coming up in our election, the one with the worst manifesto is APC, I'll tell you. The person and the right person, the only person that has a manifesto that can move us forward and move us out of all our problems, including corruption, poverty, everything, is Shore. I, I follow all of them one by one. You know how Shore, he said something about electricity, how Morocco brought, he, he's always talking about electricity, how he's going to give us electricity, and that's the only way we can get out of all our problems. You know, when people have jobs, our fathers, you know, 90% of houses we have in Lagos today are built up by our fathers. And most of them are working the government as teachers and this in those days. Because their salary, they could save and build houses and have seven, eight children and send them to school. And those days, you remember, those days we have, we produce 70% of what we use. You remember, we, we, don't, we don't use Tokumbo cars before. We have car produced, SEOA produces Pigeon, Mandela's produces Volkswagen. We don't import cars. We don't import tokumbos. Those times, our fathers, all our fathers have where they work. We produce butter, the shoes we were using in school when I was young. Butter and learners is in Ojota. Electronics, Phillips was in Ojota. We produce almost everything, even our pharmaceutical drugs. But now, you know, I we started going to, into all this problem. It started with Obasanjo in 1979, when they bring this indigenization law that gives... All, all, all companies in Nigeria, Nigerians must have 51% of all companies in Nigeria. Imagine all this SCOA. How many Nigerians can have 51% of it? They started moving out. We started losing our companies. And we did not even, the more we grow in the population, the more we are supposed to improve in our power supply. We are on the same 4,000 that our fathers produce. And two, when we talk about economy or corruption, all is based on the fact that we don't have electricity. A country of 200 million people with 4,000 watts. Of, we, 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 we should not be talking. Everything can happen. It will bring poverty. And poverty will bring anarchy in philosophy. So anything we're having today is Boko Haram is all under poverty. Poverty is the cause of all our problems. Until we eradicate poverty, then we'll have to go into the next level of corruption, fighting corruption. We cannot put it to a final stop if we just fight corruption without giving opportunities to people to live normally. Yeah, I think let me just, um, I'm going to disagree with Phil with his points. First, I'm going to disagree. When you talk about issue of uh, uh, lack of job opportunity, everything is still brought down to lack of um, government who do not take the people serious, who does not care about the well-being of the people. Whose job is to produce electricity to us in Nigeria? It's not, it's not, the, it's not, it's not the government. 
whose job is to produce what we call uh, eradicate. First and foremost, there's no way you can eradicate poverty. You can only reduce poverty. Even in America today, you see people who are still poor, who still live in the hood, who still live on food stamp, who still live from paycheck to paycheck. The one of the way I, I'm going to disagree with him is that once there's 40 from the top, it affects the bottom. People who live, who are part of the government, the same elites who have been ruling us since 1960 to date, they all have their own share of our problem. But corruption is part of our problem. Who are the cor- who started this corruption? People who work in government, people who enrich themselves through the government. For Obasi just said he spent billions of dollars for electricity. Where is it today? We are talking about this. That's a part of corruption. The same when Obasi came in, Jonathan said they're going to have electricity. They spent billions of dollars. Where is it today? They are spending all this money in their own pocket. Where is electricity today? So our major problem we should focus on right now is, is issue of corruption. How we can hold our political class responsible for their actions. If Obasanjo has failed to deliver on his promises, I believe that we, the young generation, should not take him serious. The same Obasanjo who has failed us was coming to them and telling us that uh, uh, doing it, uh, we should vote for Atiku. But he was the one that failed us. Obasanjo had the opportunity to redeem his image from 1999 until he spent eight years. He couldn't generate electricity for us. And if we check today, he spent billions of dollars for that alone. All these things are affecting the common people in the street. We have to focus on the real issue. Our real issue is the political elite. If we can get rid of them through, our, through what we call a radical movement to get rid of them, chase them away from government, we need a good... We, need, we, have, we don't have a good law. We just need to monitor this law. We just need good judicial system that can work. If today, if you are taking Otola to court today for maybe for corruption, you're going to lose the case. Because immediately they pick court, they call the judge and say, oh, this, this case, I'm the one that owns this case. They let him go. But a common man who stole pure water in the street can, can send to a panty, uh, uh, going to a panty, you see gunshot on his leg already because of pure water that he's stolen. So we have to look at our problem comes from this elite. These people are part of our problem. They caused it. They put us in this penury. They put us in this poverty environment that we are. They make us go abroad to look for visa all around because they know they don't care about us. Let us address the key issue. The key issue is that we need a good government that can stationize, that can put things together, that can put strategy in place, that can make our government economy work for us for better. If government doesn't put a good law, if we don't, if look at the condition, if you read through all the paragraphs there, there are places that most of the things that they say in the constitution, we don't even need it anymore. They're not important. The EFC that was formed in 1999 constitution, look at what EFC is doing today. They're not doing nothing. Go to EFC today and see cases there. Anyway, we will continue to work. Government will get what we want. You know, all what my 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 man here is talking about is still about the symptom of corruption. Like I always, I, I, I believe in eradicating something. You have to start from the cause. You're talking about corruption. Cor- yeah, everybody knows it's our problem. The political elites, the people that is, they they know they created. One thing I want you to understand today is. They know that the more poverty they have in the society, the more power these politicians have because we'll be at their back home. They'll be able to control us. They control even the AFCC themselves. They control everybody, including the police. If I tell you that the police are the most people that are more involved in rigging elections, you don't believe that. Why? Poverty. They keep them that way, and they use that money they steal from us to control us, to hold us to ransom. So for corruption to start... There's what we desire and what can happen is different. For, for over 20 years, Nigerians want all these people, even you see some people say, let all these people die. You see some videos going viral that one boy just came out, I wish all these are politicians wake up one time, all of them die. But all our wish is different from what, we, what can happen. So what do we desire and what do you think can happen? We desire for all these people to live and new generation start. But what, we can, what can happen is for now they... The structure we have on ground, we don't have the power to move them away. Okay, basically, I think poverty and corruption are interlinked, and I, especially when it comes down to Nigeria. And I think you both agree with me. Yes, yes I do. Yeah, I agree. Okay, 
So one of the main arguments here is that you think minimum wage is one of the problems with that has caused that is linked between poverty and corruption. And you also think a lack of electricity is yeah. also Two, two basic things are the major reasons. Minimum wage. And lack of electricity. And lack of electricity. What do you think is the main cause of both poverty and, and, and corruption, both interlinked? I think we have a, a government that are, not, that are not responsible, number one. Number two, we have a people who truly don't care about their people because I, I believe that our elite they don't care about us. That's what I mean. We lack the basic amenities. We don't have good roads. No electricity. And if there's corruption, there's no way we can get it right as a government. We need to fight these people out of government before we can think of what we need to do or what we don't need to do. For now, they're going to remain there. So how do we fight poverty? Yeah, one of the, one of the ways I think we fight poverty is just that we need education. The people need to be educated. I could remember myself 1999 when I was campaigning for aid in the streets. Then in Lake, when I was in Lake, when I was growing up, actually, 2000, um, 2003, when I campaigned for Tunubu second time, the way, you know, these people push us, the way the program was like, oh, after we win, there's job up, opportunity for all of you. We're going to get you this, we're going to get you that, we're going to get scholarship, we're going to get this. That's how we have been, we have been brainwashed then. Then we don't understand. Coming out of Nigeria, living abroad, I see things differently. My thinking, I changed my thinking, I changed my orientation when it comes to political education, I educate myself politically that what these people are doing, they don't want the people to be what? To rise. They don't want people to get what they want. What they want, they want to keep you in poverty. They don't want to go to, they want to get good, good education. No good education, no good uh, hospital, no good road. Nothing works well for Nigeria. We should be sincere to ourselves. Our banking system is full of fraud. We don't have good institution that works perfectly well in Nigeria. Tell me what government agency that work perfectly well in Nigeria that you know is not full of corruption. This is not about minimal wages. What we have, we have what we call, what we call self problem that we impose on ourselves through our leadership. We must be able to address this leadership at the top first. When we address them at the top, then we come to the bottom, we fight from the bottom. So how do we fight poverty? First, to fight poverty, if there's willingness to fight poverty, first, you must create opportunities. If you say, yeah, some people will say Nigerians are corrupt, right? One day, I try to define Nigerians for people. The Nigerians I know in America, the Nigerians I know in London, 90% of Nigeria who lives in London, America, they work, they do normal jobs. They are not corrupt people. They are good people. We have a lot of good Nigerians in America that contribute a lot to the society. Because what? They have opportunities. Anywhere you see Nigerians, Living better is because they have opportunities. Anywhere you see Nigerians not living well, they have deficit in opportunity. And deficit in opportunity will cause what people call um, uh, survival of the fittest, like what we say in Nigeria. People will be desperate to do anything to survive. Nobody wants to sit down and be hungry and die. You are ready to take next opportunity from when that comes to you. But what I'm saying is, in the, in the, I, I grew up, in the days when uh, we don't need visa to London. My father takes us to London. We spend Nigerian money in Oxford. Same rate with pounds. Why our fathers can live better and they are not corrupt? Because anytime they go out, you know, when I finished my secondary school, they, I had, I, even when I was in, sec, I, even not secondary school, when I, when I was in yeah, secondary school from three, we used to have one thing they call holiday jobs. I work in a bank and I get lunch-on vouchers and money because there was opportunity. And that then there was no corruption. I believe that the moment we start, we have electricity in Nigeria, we have factories like they have in China, and people, 70% of the youth have jobs. Like when I was young, I don't have time for politics. I was a politician, but I have a job. I don't, have, I don't go to meetings to go and say I want to fight for one politician. I'm, I'm, in my, I'm, in, I'm playing football. I'm collecting salary. I don't have time to go and fight for Bola Tunubu or who, who he is because I have my own way of living and I have money. Nigerians are proud people. If you see a Nigerian boy now, he has money to eat. He will not greet you tomorrow, sir. He will just walk because they are proud people. But when we have a situation where there's, uh, the, when we have a situation where there's no electricity, there's no job, there's no factory, People cannot just wake up and say, I want to look for a job. There's no job in Nigeria. Everybody wants to work in the ministry or follow a politician. There's no other job because we even import singlets, underwears. We don't have factories. 
when, when you have factories, when there's electricity, within one year, when we produce what Shogure is talking about, like 40,000, 50,000 megawatts of electricity, I believe that Nigeria will, will create more than 10 million jobs in a year. And you will see that the society will start changing. What's your, what's your add-on to that? Well, I think I just have a, it comes to hard there. But I think one of the issues we have, we still, I still believe is our major problem is just this government. If government does not drive, drive good policies, we can get jobs. If government does not put place the adequate educational system that is functional for us, we can get we can get good good people in the labor market. If until we begin to get these things right from top, I believe the bottom we still have problem. If today, if you're giving your Nigerians job at the age of at the rate of thirty thousand naira today, as according to that proposed minimum wages, is to still not going to be enough, because tell me today. Nothing is functional in Nigeria when it comes to institution. No government institution is ready to take responsibility for their actions today. Today, if you could detect today that bail is free, when you go to a police station, you will, you will see something else from different angle. Today, if you look at it, for example, what we need right now that is very important is that we just need a government that cares about the people, a government that cares about the well-being of the people, a government that wants people to strive, a government that wants people to go to, to put themselves in the like, like he was saying, I'm not going to disagree with him. That's his own opinion. If you look at those days of 1970s, 1990s, 1990s, 1970s, 80s, till backward to early 90s, you realize that there are opportunities for our people to go to get whatever you want. You can go to jo- you can do any job you want. Why go to school? You can get scholarship to study abroad. Going our our the, the, the exchange rate there was lower compared to what we have today. You can as at then when I when I when my uncle was telling me that he purchased ticket to, to London at seventeen thousand naira to London, then when he was uh, first time he visited London. So those are the kind of opportunities that we want. We want a what we call a parallel opportunity with our peers in the world. You are talking about US as a whole. How does US become who they are today? They have a, what we call a functional government. A government that cares about the people. Not the government that goes at the end of the day, he wants to put his people in nepotism everywhere. He wants to put his cousins to manage. If you look at the PC government today, look at those who work with CBN. How many of them have experience like you do? They don't. But because they have one cool who is a minister or is, or is, who is whatever, they can afford to get them job. We need equal opportunity for our people. We want a government that comes and respects the rules of law, that can place the people that can make people like, oh, I don't want to travel, but let me just remain in my country if I can get what I want. Look at average Thai. Average Thai don't care about you as America if you're making $100,000. As long as they can pay their rent every month, they can go out, they can go to more and, and walk around, they are okay. That is what we need. 